Blog Talk Radio.
Christ Worship Radio. I'm your host, Reverend Thomas Elaine Smith. And tonight we're going to have a very explosive discussion. The title of our show tonight, The Church's Role in Keeping Abortion Legal in America. But first, before we get into the show, we're going to open up with the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I give you glory, honor, and praise. Father, thankful for another opportunity to share with you reality and Christ Worship Radio broadcast. Lord, I pray tonight that the message that we're going to speak forth will be driven home into the hearts and minds of people that that are clergy, that are pastors, all people in Christian leadership will understand and they'll wake up to the fact that the church has been complicit in keeping abortion legal in America. So, Father, I pray for your wisdom, your grace, and your anointing. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And for the next 30 minutes, we're going to go into our praise and worship portion of the show. And the first song is Alabaster Box. We're also tonight going to mix in some pro-life songs as well. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy praise and worship. And I try 
prisoner to the sin that had me bound. I spent my days, poured my life without measure into a little treasure box.
Worship Radio, I'm your host, might as well use my official title, Reverend Thomas Duane Smith, and you know that song is very pertinent to our discussion today, where we will be talking about the church's role in keeping abortion legal here in America, and there are many, many, many of us in the body of Christ, well, I should say, There's not a lot of us in the body of Christ who have taken this issue to heart. And sometimes it gets discouraging and it gets overwhelming. And you're going to hear a very frank and blunt conversation because it's one that needs to be had. But One thing we must remember that even in the midst of this battle, we can never give up. So my next song that I'm going to play is Never Give Up by Yolanda Adams. 
And welcome back to Reality in Christ Worship Radio. I have one more worship song to play, and then I'm going to open up with the scripture for the day based on the show, which is Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 through 9. And then we'll have our guest calling in, Pastor Shannon Wright. And this is going to be an interview not for the faint of heart. So for those who are listening and who will be listening in archives later, you've been warned. Don't worry, there's not going to be attacks or personal attacks on people or anything like that, name-calling. But we're going to be brutally honest. So this last song is one of my favorite absolute worship songs, and it's a key reminder to me sometimes when I'm going through stuff and I think that God is not there. But the truth of the matter is I am never alone.
Once again, you are listening to the worship portion of Reality in Christ Worship Radio. And I want to thank everybody who enjoyed the music with me. And now we're going to get into the meat of the show, starting with Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 through 9. Hold that thought. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast, and set him for their watchmen. If when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet takes not warning. If the word come, if if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that take his warning shall be delivered, shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman sees the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So, Thou, son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity. By his blood will I require at thine hand. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word. And I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back with our guest. And I'm going to play a short interview of an individual that thought that um, they were an expert on the topic that we're going to talk about tonight. Now, I want you to listen. And then we'll have our guest calling in. This week brought up the 40th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. It made me reflect on a moment from about 15 years ago when I was in a committed relationship with a woman who I knew was just not the one. She also knew it probably wasn't going to work out. And then she got pregnant. And I was terrified. I've always known the importance of family and building kids into strong adults. And I know I would not be who I am if not for growing up under the watchful eye of two people who loved me and loved each other. I knew that pregnant woman and I were not going to be able to form a lasting family. She decided it was best to have an abortion, and days later she did. We did. And in some ways, that choice saved my life. I was not then smart enough or man enough to build a family or raise a child, and I only would have contributed to making a mess of three lives. Years after that, I met another woman, married her, and after we decided to get pregnant, 
I went to her doctor's appointments, our doctor's appointments, with joy. It was a thrill to watch that boy grow inside her. But I must admit, during that second trimester, as we watched him move around on 3D sonograms, I saw how human they are at that stage. And my lifelong belief in abortion rights was, let's say, jostled. It was life colliding with belief system. I had to rethink my position. But in the end, I remained committed to being pro-choice because I cannot imagine arguing against a woman's right to control her body and thus her life. I believe in, as Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg wrote, a woman's autonomy to determine her life's course. Yes, there is a reasonable and unsolvable medical debate about when exactly life begins, but I find something undeniably misogynist about the impulse to deny a woman's dominion over her own body and limit her ability to shape her life and impose another sense of morality on her. Family building is at the heart of nation building, and taking away the ability to choose means the ability to build lasting families is challenged. Richard Florida finds the higher a state's abortion rate, the lower its divorce rate. But even though abortion is legal, ever since Roe was passed, the right has been working not just to overturn it, but also to constrain it. Today was the 40th annual March for Life in D.C. In 87% of counties, there are no abortion providers, and in several states, it's nearly impossible to get an abortion. In over the past two years, 130 laws have been enacted restricting abortion rights and curbing the number of abortion providers. I want abortion to be legal, safe, and rare. But restricting access makes it rare for the wrong reason and drives many women to self-administered abortions that endanger their lives and their reproductive future. In a nation where 40% of children are born to unwed mothers, we are hurting our nation by making family planning harder. I thank God and country that when I fell into a bad situation, abortion was there to save me and keep me on a path toward building the strong family I have now and I pray that safety net remains in place. People who have children when they're prepared leads to stronger children, stronger families, and thus stronger adults, and a stronger America. And welcome back to Reality in Christ Worship Radio. Had to take a pause there because had a flight distraction walking through the room, basically a herd of elephants known as people. Anyway, folks, this is a dilemma, and this will lead up to us talking about the role of the church in keeping abortion illegal. Now, that gentleman that you heard speaking in that clip is a CNN correspondent. Now, Turay, Turay is his last name, he is what you could call CNN's token black liberal. Um, he likes to address the issues that he thinks is relevant in the black community. Now I want to hit on some key points that he said. Had he not had a had the opportunity to get an abortion, he would not have been able to build a stronger family later. 
is that his way of saying that he would have had to be responsible? Folks, I am tired of this argument that it's not right that men and women should have to jeopardize their life outcome because they got pregnant because before they were ready. Well, you know what? If you wasn't ready to be pregnant, then you wasn't ready to have sex. But that's the one argument that's being left out of the equation because as society likes to say, everybody's doing it. Well, just because everybody's doing it doesn't make you responsible. Now, see, sex outside of marriage is a topic that the church does talk about. Oh, it's wrong to fornicate. It's wrong to do this. It's wrong to do that. And the church will condemn us in a minute for having sex outside of marriage. But the church will absolutely positively not step up and defend the lives of those babies and those mothers that go into the butcher factory. When Roe v. Wade was passed, it was prominent Christian leaders who said, don't make abortion a moral issue. Make it science, keep it scientific and political. And the church essentially talked themselves out of being in a battle. So what do we do? We deal we're dealing with church leadership who feel like They they don't have to be told anything because they are um how should you say uh they are above board they're infallible how is it that we can talk about something and remain silent on the very basis of why God sacrificed his son, Jesus Christ. Why is that? Could it be because... um, We don't really fully grasp the concept of God's love. 
or are we too self-absorbed that we can't see beyond our own personal issues to the fact that you have a community of people with a 12% population that is being slaughtered? You can claim, well, the girl is responsibility, she's culpable in that act. Yes, that's only part of this. That's only a half-truth. Because if she isn't being given any other choices, if she's being told this is her only way to freedom, what do you think she's going to choose? And you have a lot of churches a lot of churches within the community, the black community, that sits on their dust and will not address the issue because it's too politically charged. Or because people from the other party has helped to fill their church coffers. We know it goes on. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. You know the scripture in the word that said where Jesus was talking and folks said, okay, Lord, when did we do all these things? And Jesus says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I knew you not. Folks, we're going to have to ask some fundamental questions. Does that work? How can we embrace How can we say we love God and yet we allow millions of his creation to be slaughtered every single year? Pastors, clergymen, I'm talking to you and women. Could it, be, could it be because some of you looking for prestige and honor bestowed the titles upon yourselves instead of having to go through the fire and pay the price? Because I guarantee you, by your fruit, you would not even pass the basis the basic fundamental of God's word. That is to walk in love, to do everything grounded in love. But when you can't take, when you can't stand for the life of the innocent, the unborn, there's no love in your heart. 
maybe for those in your inner circle, maybe for your family. But when you cannot even open your mouth and defend the unborn, there should have been more pastors who came out in support of Tanya Reeves. There should have been more pastors that came to the press briefing in Washington, D.C. And I'm talking to the black pastors. Because it's our community, it's our people that you're setting back and you're allowing to be destroyed. And you know what? I love my community is why I'm speaking. Nobody is without sin. I understand that. Because the Bible does say that he who has no sin cast the first stone. But guess what? A lot of you who don't even, who will not even stand up to defend the life of the unborn would be the very ones talking about a person because their hem line on their skirt is too high or you put down a woman because she desires to preach or whatever. You tend to forget the first three verses of First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse one, two, and three. Though I, but I'll just quote one that pertains to the preachers. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am just a clanging brass and a tinkling cymbal. In other words, let me put it in. Let me put it in terms that you could understand. And then I'm going to see if our guest is called in yet. In other words, you're blowing a lot of hot air. If you cannot care for another life, especially the life of the unborn, the unprotected, why are you even in a pulpit? I thought it was about the people. But apparently it's not if you're unborn. Pastor Shannon, welcome to the show. I know you heard what I just said. Go ahead, my friend. Weigh in. Wow. Well, um, obviously this is something that um, is an issue that that isn't going to go away and should not be allowed to go away. Uh, I think it's real important that for your listeners, we get everybody needs to understand that regardless to the law of the land, there's a difference between man's law and God's law. And the law of the land may be one thing, but we're all really clear on what God's law says. And it's time for us to not just preach to the choir, but actually mm-hmm. 
do some tangible things like lobby the legislature, like demand an investigation into abortion practices, like fight for legislation and, and, and personhood legislation. There are certain things that we can all do to make a difference other than just talk amongst ourselves, and it's time for action. Amen. Amen. So, my question is: My question is this, because I know that you you talk about preaching to the choir, but when you have pastors who will not will not even address the issue for fear of losing their congregation or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't see. I don't even see them as part of the equation. I see them as running and hiding, because this is where the complicity of the church comes in. You know, as I said at the beginning of the show, that um, when this issue right after Roe v. Wade was passed, Pastor, a lot of the prominent Christian leaders actually came out and said, "Don't make abortion." about moral issues, make it about science and politics. And when they made that comment, the church essentially removed itself from the battle. And now in our community, we have this epidemic of our of our babies, our future generations that's being exterminated and our pastors won't say a word. They more they're more worried about keeping their church ties full and their following up or whatever. Quite frankly, I am sick and tired of that. Because okay. well and I understand that. However, the effective thing for us to do is to reach out to those pastors of those churches that appear to be uninformed and unaware and not spiritually involved, inform them of the efforts going on to change the abortion laws and why. Inform them of the statistics. Inform them of the outcomes and the results. Inform them of the issues towards people like Gosnell and and those that he represents, the fact that he's not an anomaly. Right. Inform them of the Tanya Reeves. Inform and enlighten them. That, in my humble opinion, is one of the ways that we all need to move forward. It's not about screaming and, and hooting and hollering and all that other stuff and whatnot. It's about action. It's about making a change and figuring out the most effective way to do that and moving ahead in that fashion. You're absolutely right. And I'm a I'm a throw I'm a throw like a wrench into the discussion for a moment. Just to kind of just kind of wrinkle the discussion. You have those individuals in the clergy who when they were reached out to, if you will, mm-hmm. they were offended by the topic. They were um, 
you know, they got belligerent. And even in some cases, they made it a Republican-Democrat issue, which a lot of times, that's what I've ran into in my discussions. You know, it became about that. And usually when that happens, I'm like, you know what? You're not, you're, you don't have an open mind, so I'm not going to discuss anything else with you. And my my whole point in that is this. I agree 1,000% with the approach you say, but what I don't, what I don't agree with is once you go to someone, you you put the information out there, you leave it up to them. They choose to reject it, then they have to deal with the consequences of their choices. I have seen so many people who will continue continue to reach out to the same individuals, and those individuals will beat them up because they're they're under the premise that. They, it's their job to change them. Our job, our only job, is to present the information, lobby legislators, present the in- information to them, and leave it at that. Because as you, as you and I both know, there's a spiritual law just like gravity. What goes up must come down. You will reap what you sow. That's, you know. Yeah. I'm trying to reach out to the same people because I love people, and it hurts me to see people struggling, but I realized, you know, that I had to, I had to stop trying to be God when I was just a messenger. And so could you speak on just that little Winch, if you will. Well, I don't see it as a wrench, but okay. Um, okay. It's real simple. Your job in the clergy and the pastor is to plant the seed. What happens to that seed is is up to so many things that are out of your control. Your job is to plant the seed. And, right. you know, right. people say, well, what about I want to do more than that? No, you you got to... Stay in your lane and know your role. If you are in a position to be able to affect and effect and influence people, plant the seeds. If you're in a place where you understand the legislative system and you have access to that system, plant the seeds. Right. And that's really what it's about. You can get angry and you can get upset and you you can do all that. That's not going to change anything. It's time to do, not say. You know, the church is the church is effective at at saying, but we're not effective at doing. And and you know, and that same thing with the pro life movement, we're effective at saying but not doing or we'll get upset over something. One thing that I've learned, you know, anger channeled the right way can be an effective tool for action. You can use the anger to focus and be motivated to make a change. 
as long as you're doing what right, what's right. Now, if you try to step out of order, like uh, like the individuals at the Westboro Baptist Church here in Topeka, Kansas, you know, first of all, those individuals they don't represent anything about God or the Christian belief. That that is extremely out of order. But well, for your listeners who are not in Kansas, can you explain what you're referring to? Well, yes, I can. And and most of you, once I explain what I'm talking about, you you will know. Oh, that you'll say that nut. Um, Fred Phelps is the um, pastor and founder of Westboro Baptist Church, which is a church that would uh, protest the funeral of our soldiers all around the nation holding signs that said, God hates fags, and um, you died because you supported um, homosexuality and just other vile stuff. And mm-hmm. so I, it's, this, these individuals have gotten play from coast to coast because just like the mainstream media does, they took those individuals and say, look, this is what is in. This is why being a Christian is intolerant, and they lump everybody in one category. But pastor, this is what I'll say to this, and I'm gonna use a very uh, graphic story graphic to illustrate. I've had three relatives who were murdered because of their skin color. The first one, my 12-year-old foster cousin in 1981 or 82, he was 12 years old and he was lynched. They ruled it a suicide. The only problem with that is that he was, his arms were tied together behind his back. So I don't know how you commit suicide um, with your arms tied together behind your back. But the second set of relatives were my, um, they were my adopted great aunt and uncle. And um, they lived in uh, in this little trailer in a town, small town called Low Mount, Kansas. What they did to them, I'll just put it like this and I'll keep it as clean as possible. They shot them, then they cut off their private parts and hung their private parts from a clothesline. Mm-hmm. Now, now, to all you liberals who like to stereotype, let me give you a lesson. I was faced with a decision at a very young age, not taught by anyone but I believe it was the Lord influencing me as a as a child because I did not have mentors growing up. But I do know that God's presence was in my life. He presented an option to me. And the question was this, what are you going to do? Are you going to stereotype an entire group of people 
the white race for the actions of a few people. That was the choice that God presented to me as a child, folks. And guess what? I thank God that I was with his with his functioning able to choose the right decision. Which brings me back to my premise. What gives anyone both white liberals and black liberals the right to stereotype an entire group of people for the actions of a few? And it goes on every day. I would be I would be remiss and lying if I said that there were some times where I'm not tempted to do that now. But I don't because some of the most dearest people to me on the face of this earth are liberal. But their love and our love and our friendship transcends that. So I can't do it. And when it comes to this issue, of life, and when it comes to the church not standing up for the very foundation of who God himself is. God is life, folks. He is the foundation of our very being. And for us not to be able to defend that, I'm sure, Pastor, that there are some pastors in our community that are not aware, but I think that there are a lot more who are aware, but because of whatever reason, they choose not to address it. So my next question to you we what can we do to effectively convince or not convince but say, hey, you know, you know what's going on. You have to look at this because once you know and you don't do the scripture says that is sin. Once you know something is wrong and you don't do something about it, that is sin. And I'm paraphrasing the scripture. So can you address that issue right there? I'm talking about the pastors who know that they turn a blind eye from on it. Well, again, judge not lest you be judged. Um, So I can't speak for them, and I'm not going to judge them. All I can say is this. I think that it is incumbent upon those of us that have a strong feeling on this issue based in 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 statistics, in spirit, in all of those things, it is incumbent upon us to reach those that do not know or do not wish to know. Again, it's not about all those other issues. It's not about getting all riled up. It's not about screaming and hooping and hollering. As I said, it's about making a change. It's about reaching the folks that you can reach and getting them to make a change. And that's it. 
what it comes down to, period. You can get upset and you can scream and you can stand on a soapbox and you can do all kinds of things. But that's not going to change somebody's mind. That's not going to change their heart. If anything, that would just make them think you fools. So when we have an issue that we feel strongly about, the thing to do is put together an action plan and then act on that plan and do something to make a difference. That's what it comes down to. And once again, you hit the nail on you hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head. And that's all that's all we really can do. It and is. I will tell I, I will tell you this. Go ahead. To get yourself all worked up and, and whatnot is counterproductive. You know, it's it, it's about being productive. It's about using your energies in a way that will actually make a change. And one of the things i got to say to my Christian folks that are listening, if you're not sure what to do, you're not sure how to do whatever it is you think you may be able to do, the first thing you need to do is sit quietly and pray on it. Because that will give you direction in what it is that he wants you to do. You know, sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because there's something we want to do that God didn't tell us to do. Right. So we need to pray about it and get direction. And then once we have that direction, take action in the way that God calls you to do it. Right, and right. And that in doing that, you will cut out a lot of the unnecessary stuff that a lot of us go through and deal with. You right. find you don't have to deal with it like that anymore because God makes a way. God makes a way. Amen. We Amen. just have to be with and move accordingly. Right. You hit the nail. Um, you, you're just hitting the nail on the head tonight, but you do that a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I must say, I must say, my nature of you know, the nature of how God has positioned me there, you know, I'm one of the individuals that I speak things a certain way for a certain reason. And um, mm-hmm. so, and the way God has called me to speak, not not everybody, not everybody can speak that way. But the balance in that is that um, when being a hammer, if you will, you must be able to once you do the hammer, and it's not when God calls um, a person of my particular calling to something. One thing that is important to remember is that we are to never personalize the attack. It is the it is the spiritual pulse of a segment of the body of Christ or the entire body as a whole. It it goes back to 
Ezekiel 33 and the watchman on the wall. That was my scripture that I read, folks. And if you want to read it, it's verses 1 through 9 of Ezekiel chapter 33. It's a very good, very good verse. And uh, we have to have balance because there comes a time when you have to be blunt and you have to sound the alarm because we're reaching critical mass. And on this issue, we are reaching critical mass. But there is still the solution. And both Jesus Christ is that solution. He is no respecter of persons. He loves us. And if he could if he could yank someone like me literally from the grasp, the grip of death, if you will, literally, he can do anything if we allow him to. Because like I've alluded to many times on this show, I'm not supposed to be here medically. But God had other plans. His love for us transcends that. And folks, if I did not care, I care because God first cared for me. I love because he loved me. Who would I be if I did not, if I made the decision that I could not extend that same love in to others? That's what this show is about. And one thing you have never heard us ever do when talking about the issue of abortion, we never condemn the post-abortive mother. And the reason being is because we do not know the situation. And I'll throw a statistic out there for you, Pastor, which you probably may or may not know. But between 68 and 80% of all abortions in this country every year, those girls mm-hmm. never want them. That makes sense. So, and so if you think about that, what? how could we as pro-lifers put, go, go and condemn a, a girl who had an abortion not knowing her situation? So, Pastor, you're absolutely right when you say judge not, least you be judged. I know exactly what you're saying because going into situations like that, not having the facts of what that girl went through, we better not judge her. We better seek to to um, minister healing and love to her because there was there's two victims. There's the girl. There's the there's the baby, and then then in some cases, if you had a father who who really cared, and it was a parent that forced, you know through a consensual relationship and the parents like, oh, you ain't having that, then you have three victims. So, folks, this is an issue that is going to be around. And in light of everything that's going on, Pastor, would you say that it might be possible that we can see Roe v. Wade overturned in our lifetime. What would you say? I'd say, to that? It's I'd say it's possible, but again, 
um, there's, there's a lot of things that need to happen. And folks need to put together or be a part of someone's action plan. Because it's yep. not just about reaching the clergy. I had a conversation with someone. I work with um, a group called, I'm a member of a group called The Last Civil Rights. And I do some public speaking with uh, Colleen Stevens and Babette uh, Youngberg. And, you know, we were having a conversation, you know, around getting ready for this trip to Washington that we went on last week. And um, it's not just about telling people, no, don't have an abortion, but we also need to be working on resources for people so that they feel they have options. When you get to that point where you're looking at having an abortion, it's because you feel you're at your wit's end and there's nothing else for you. So if we really want, if you want to take something away with one hand, you got to give something with the other. Amen. Amen. And it's got let me go ahead because I'm going to drop something in there after you're done. Go ahead. And it's got to be something tangible. If you tell a young lady you, you, you can't have an abortion, you shouldn't have an abortion, it's wrong, and she says, well, what should I do? You better have an answer. So hey. it's not about lobbying the legislators. It's not just about trying to get the law changed. It's about fixing the systems that we have. It's about fixing the adoption system. It's about fixing... Um, you know, the, the the inequity in terms of the amount of planned parenthood you find versus the amount of planned pregnancy places you find. Amen. You, know, you don't have places to go and say, well, listen, we're going to help you. You carry this baby. We will help you. We will be right there for you. You don't find that, not, not to the extent that you find um, planned parenthood. Now, if we found one of those on every corner that there was a planned parenthood, we'd see a lot different numbers. But we talk about it, but we don't. We, you say, stop. Let's talk about it more. Be about it. We're not doing our jobs. Amen. Let me jump in here for a minute because you actually. Um, that's why I kind of told you to go on because I figured that you would mention what I was going to talk about, but you hit the nail on the head, folks. Let me tell you something. We we in the pro-life, we talk about, we'll say, well, what about adoption? Here's the problem. It is tens of thousands of dollars to adopt an American child. Pastor Wright just hit the nail on the head. We need to overhaul the adoption system in this nation. There are American families that want to adopt a Babies, but then you have, but then you have still around this country, this country that's supposed to be so progressive and tolerant, that still refuse to allow um, families to adopt babies that are not their race because they say stuff like, well, they need to be around their own culture. Well, if the culture is not thriving in they can be in a home that will give them love. What difference does it make, to borrow a phrase from Hillary Clinton? What difference does it make? Love knows no boundaries. So, folks, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to say something controversial. In our inaction, we're making the case for abortion. 
we make the case for it in that we talk about abductions, but when it comes to when it comes to the resources needed, we stingy with our resources. We have more wealth than they do. But we want to control everything. What happened to supporting organizations like left civil rights? These women are doing things. They're helping to bring about change. Folks, it is time to put our money where our mouth is. For everyone that's listening. Go ahead. I was going to say, for everyone that's listening, you may think that you're only one vote or one voice, but here's something you should consider. I want everyone that's listening, first of all, I want everyone that's listening to make sure when this broadcast is available that you share it and try and get your friends and your family to listen to it. That's number one. Number two, of everybody that's listening, if you look up on the Internet in your area where there is a pregnancy resource center, a pregnancy center that deals with young women that opt to have their babies, and you tell them you want to register to open your home and house a young pregnant woman, see how much of a difference that would make. See, you don't have to have big dollars to write grants and rent buildings and this, that, and the other. Open your heart and open your home. That's how we used to do it in the old days. Oh, so-and-so's having a little trouble down the street, so we're just going, you know, we're going to bring their kids in to stay with us for a little while so they get back on their feet. It didn't take government intervention. But, see, when we started falling down on the job, that's when the government started creating all these other laws and rules and agencies and this and that to do the things that we as the church stopped doing. So if you want to make a difference, it doesn't have to be a big legislative move on Capitol Hill. Find out where there's a center near you. Call them. Register yourself as a space and a home that will house and shelter one pregnant woman. Right. Show somebody that there is an option, there is a resource. Don't say it, do it. It ain't that hard. Right. And 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 I'll tell you this, folks. I survived at this point in my life because of me having to leave my previous job, move back to Kansas City, my home, for health reasons, I live off of $240 a month. And of that amount, $20 a month goes to support a crisis pregnancy center. You know what? At at some point in life, you have to say it doesn't matter because money isn't money isn't important when it comes to saving the life, but it does take the resources needed. You know, I can name two friends right now who are doing just what Pastor just mentioned. 
three, actually. But it takes more of that. That's what we could go back to the early days of the early church in Paul's day when the different churches, I, I want to say, I think it was the church in Mesopotamia that sold all their goods, sent Paul an offering, and took care of the people in need. If we could just get back to those days, we'd be unstoppable. Because God gave us believers, followers of Jesus Christ. He gave us the tools. He gave us the answers. We just got to open the book and utilize it. Stop trying to do things under our own strength and in our own power and know that with God, nothing is impossible. Pastor, I'm going to give you the last word because I know that uh, you have to be running along, and I think I'm going to probably end the show in a few minutes. But this has been a, it's been an awesome, phenomenal show. And um, talk about your talk about your group and different things and whatever you want to share. Well, a um, couple things. Uh, if you if you'd like to find out some more information um, in terms of uh, resources and how to reach out to people, inbox me on Facebook, uh, Pastor Shannon Wright. Um, in terms of the Last Civil Right, you can find us at thelastcivilright.org or the Last Civil Right on Facebook. You can inbox myself, Babette, or Kaleem if you have any questions, want to make suggestions, or have something that you'd like to offer to the community. Reach out. Message us, inbox us. Um, you can message or inbox my husband, Michael Wright, also on Facebook, who runs uh, Father to Sons Coalition, which is a resource for men that want to take a more active role in, in the lives of those children that they've fathered. You know, you take an active role for that five or ten minutes to create that life, it's time to take a more active role in the rest of that life. Um, uh, there is a conference coming up. Um, that I will be speaking at and attending in a few weeks in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, called At Large. And we will be discussing all kinds of issues to groom our next generation of elected officials that are issue-centered, that are people and policy, not politics and parties. We need to get back to the people and the policy. Um, and then after that, we will be out there with some guy, I think his name is Thomas, you know, I can't say for sure, <laughs> who is doing a Yeah, I think his name is Thomas something or another out there yeah. uh Kansas City, Missouri, to do a pro life without exceptions day of workshops, roles, resources and and just, you know, to try and motivate people and and educate people and get them inspired to go out and do something. Like I said, if everybody listening just opened up their own home, took one year, nine months, opened up their own home to house a young pregnant woman, you'd make such a big difference. If we all did that alone, it would make a big difference. Amen. Um, please, for everybody listening, message me on Facebook. Reach out to me on Facebook. I'd be happy to send you some information. Um, I know that 
if Thomas doesn't have a page up already, he will soon have a page up um, for his uh, event and fundraising to support that event. So please, make a donation to Thomas for his event. Um, all of this work is an awesome thing, but it takes resources to continue it. So please, if you listen to Thomas on the radio, support his projects and endeavors. And Thomas, if you don't have a page up yet, I suggest you get one. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I will do. Uh, folks, it's been wonderful to be here with you. Go ahead. It's been wonderful to be here with you. I hope that all of your listeners can take from this week's show to stand up and get involved. Not just say something, but get involved. Thank you. And on that Amen. note, I got to run. All right, Pastor. God bless you. Thank you for once again you. a phenomenal show. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Reality in Christ Worship Radio Show. I want to thank everybody who tuned in tonight, everybody who's going to be tuning in on in archive. God bless you. Have a good night.